Hello and welcome to Making Media Now, the filmmaker's collaborative podcast. I'm your host, Michael Acevedo. Joining me on this episode is Marcy Kay, co-founder and executive producer of Story Booth, a digital storytelling platform that invites teens to record and submit their own stories and share them with the world in engaging and entertaining animations via YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. There's also a daily Story Booth podcast on Spotify. Story Booth got its start on YouTube in 2015 and to date has animated close to 300 audio clips chronicling teens and young adult struggles with everything from racism to toxic friend groups to realizing your parents aren't that great to pregnancy scares and to the full gamut of high school faux pas. The company's channel counts 4.55 million subscribers and currently nets around 4 million views per month. Making Media Now is sponsored by Filmmakers Collaborative, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting media makers from across the creative spectrum, from providing fiscal sponsorship to presenting an array of informative and educational programs. Filmmakers Collaborative supports creatives at every step in their journey. To learn more, visit filmmakerscollab.org. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please follow, leave a review, and share. And now on to my conversation with Marcy Kay. Hello, Marcy Kay, and welcome to Making Media Now. Thank you, Michael. It's great to be here. So Marcy is the co-founder uh, of Story Booth. Let's get right at it. Tell us what Story Booth is all about, Marcy. So Story Booth is a digital storytelling platform for teens. The mission of the company is to empower our youth through storytelling. So teens record their real story on our app and we animate their stories um, and publish them on our YouTube channel and our app and our website. And what was the origin of Story Booth? How did it come to be? So what we were really seeing was a, two issues going on. The first is that teens are really up against a lot of complex issues, mental health issues, bullying, racism, and a complex world. Right. And we also saw that social media can sometimes be really disconnecting for our youth. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to create a place where they could be authentic and to share their voices and their truths with each other without having to, what I would like to say, be in this fake world on social media where people are pretending right. to have the perfect life and the perfect pictures and the perfect um, stories. And so what Story Booth really represents is a space for them to be authentic Mm-hmm. And we wanted to provide that safe haven, which we think in today's digital world is really hard to find. And when did Story Booth originate? So we launched six years ago. We had no idea if we were going to work. We had an idea that we were going to create this platform where real kids just recorded their story and we would animate them. We didn't know that kids would send them in. We didn't know that they would trust us. We launched on YouTube and it just resonated. And I think part of what resonated was that teens could just speak their truths without being censored, without adults in the room. Um, And they could be anonymous, which really kind of helps in the social media world, too. Um, And it just took off six years ago. 
And initially, how did you go about soliciting the stories? So what we did was we would partner with influencers at that time who would we would animate some of their inspirational stories. So, for example, I think our first influencer was a young YouTuber and she really experienced a lot of anxiety. So we animated her story and then she publicized our channel to her audience. And I think because kids felt safe, this this kind of celebrity was sharing something that is hard to share, right? Mental health these days um, for teens, it's a big issue, but a lot of people hide it. And so I think that encouraged people to feel safe sharing their own. And so that just once one kid shared their story, another shared their story, and they saw that story booth kind of was this sacred space where it wasn't overproduced. We weren't putting music to their words. We were just giving them that safety and authenticity. And I think it was that that attracted this audience there. As a visitor to a story booth video, the voice that I'm hearing, is that the actual voice of the adolescent that's telling their story? It is. It's their their voice. They literally record it on their phone. Um, the only thing we do is edit it down to three minutes just because animation is costly. And we found that the three minute marker is great. But yeah, we don't direct them. We just let them roll and we edit it down. That's it. And what have you observed in terms of the evolution of the the types of stories that adolescents have been telling you over the past six years? Like I would, you know, there's certain um, aspects of adolescence that feel kind of evergreen. Like if you're an adolescent, you're going to deal with it. But by the same token, you know, contemporary society almost forces adolescents these days to have to deal with things that previous generations never even had to consider. That's completely correct. You're right. You know, we we get acne stories, we get the heartbreak stories, we get the typical kind of walking through the halls of middle school stories and feeling like an outcast. But I think, Michael, you're spot on. And what we've seen is that there there's an heightening to the world issues. So, for example, um, when Parkland happened, we get stories from those kids. And whenever there's a mass shooting in a school, we get stories from kids that are actually in the schools. And that is just painful to listen to, I think, because what we hear is almost a desensitization to it. They're almost so used to these things happening that it starts becoming just like a normal story that they would tell. Um, We're also seeing a, a, a dramatic increase in mental health issues, especially in this COVID world. Right. And kids having to go through remote schooling and going through a pandemic and going through all that we went through, um, the anxiety and depression and those kind of issues that are affecting them has definitely increased. And I would say um, intolerance, you know, the complexity of racism and all that this country has been through is, is definitely mirrored in our children. And so they are it's been a really hard few years for them. And what I like to say is that um, if we don't pay attention to these things, they're, they're not going to get better. We really need to start paying attention because it is, it is getting to be more pervasive. And those are the types of stories that we're hearing that reflect that society right now. 
What kind of path were you on that led you to this idea and to wanting to create a vehicle for adolescents to, you know, share their truth, as you say? Prior to this, I've been in digital forever. So I worked um, at AOL where I was able to see how teens interact online. And when I first saw that years ago, I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be an insane world where kids actually have that opportunity to communicate. Right. And then I saw my own children who were starting to move into those middle school years. And I saw that how social media was affecting them. And I also saw how their school was not equipped to kind of meet them where they were. Mm -hmm. And so what I just decided to do is it almost came to me in the middle of the night. I was like, we need to create an authentic space for these kids. And I saw that as adults, we were going to have a really hard time keeping up with them. And we tried to, but we don't succeed. So I felt like the only thing that I could do with all my knowledge of digital and kids was to give them their own space that is safe. Um, to address what I instinctively saw is a really complex world to navigate through as a teen. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was almost like the perfect storm of my experience in digital, my, my life as a mom and also kind of looking at the social media platforms, which quite frankly are really not doing their best to support this next generation. Right. Um, Exactly. Well, they're, most of them are designed to monetize attention and, and and not really address the issues that are, are you know, so vivid in, in the lives of um, so many of the adolescents. How does it work in terms of an adolescent shares their story? What's your selection process? And I assume the person who was selected, are they informed somehow that, you know, your, your story is now out there in the world? Tell me a little bit about that process. Yeah. So when we, we have, I think we have over half a million stories submitted at this point. Wow. Um, I know from kids all over the world and the selection process is, a, is an art and a science. I think first we look for relevancy on the subject to yep. see what are teens really talking about. Um, but I think what's cool about story booth. And if you listen to the different stories is you don't need to be a great story storyteller. It's not about story arc. It's not about the perfect voice or the perfect script. Um, These kids are just kind of bleeding their hearts into the story when they record it. So we really look for stories that are going to help other kids and have relatability. Mm -hmm. Um, They're not always happy endings, but we're looking for things that social emotionally are going to be a value add to the audience mm-hmm. so that it's really um, a piece that is going to resonate, but also make an impact. But we're not looking for the artistry of storytelling at all. It's, right. it's never what we do. Yeah. Um, and when they get animated, we inform them and we have to get parental consent for 18 and under. Okay. Um, so we go through that process. And then I would say the kid's favorite part is once we get that consent, if they're 18 and under um, drawing their character. They love, they love that part. So if they want to send us a picture, if they want to just describe themselves or create however they want our team to draw them, um, I would say that's where it really gets fun because they just love seeing their characters. Um, but other than that, we don't direct them. We don't, it's pretty simple process. Yep. And what happens um, when you get into a scenario or, or do you get into scenarios where the story is super compelling, but 
your animators might be a little bit stumped in saying, how am I going to represent this particular story? The director who storyboards for us from the very beginning is the most incredible talent because he has to get into their shoes every single time. What's his name? His name is Davio. And he also illustrated our book, which is coming out in July. He literally puts himself in their footsteps. And I would say that process of us working with our board artists to make sure that they're representing that emotional integrity and authenticity Mm -hmm. and really understanding it is an accolade to the child for being so vulnerable and expressing themselves, but this incredible team of animators and, and storyboard artists who just have to really understand emotionally the emotional content. Mm -hmm. And I would say after a while, it gets exhausting, right? It's, they need breaks. Um, For example, Davio drew our book and he's taking a break because it was so intense drawing 210 pages of these stories in a condensed amount of time. It's a lot of emotional energy you have to put into these stories. It's impossible to separate yourself from it. Are there ever instances where, you know, an adolescent shares a story, it's illustrated and then it's out in the world, but maybe the... um, you know, the outcome of the story might be in the telling. It might be unknown. It might be uh, that the 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 adolescent is sort of at a crux. Right. Is there ever any follow up? Uh, is, is there any way for Story Booth to keep in touch with that with, with that individual to find out how things turned out, that kind of thing? We started to play around with that. And it's definitely something we want to explore because some kids are like, what happened to this storyteller and what happened to that person? And we did a couple of those. Where are they now? And it was fascinating. Yeah. Um, And it's not something we've done um, consistently, but definitely, Michael, it's something that we've been thinking about doing because there are these pivotal moments where the audience wants to know what happened Um, and it's a cliffhanger. So it's it's definitely on our minds to do, but we just haven't gotten to it as a a thing that we've rolled out consistently on the channels. And what about, you know, I understand how an adolescent uh, has a story they want to tell and they have the means to tell it. And is there ever an instance, say, for instance, you you mentioned, um, you know, the uh, shockingly sad phenomenon of school shootings. Unfortunately, they're far too frequent, but is there ever an instance where say in the aftermath of a school shooting story booth is able to push stories that dealt with that maybe as, you know, as a preemptive move to help adolescents hear others who have gone through a a similar situation? Yeah. I think what we try to do our best is really, publish stories because we get stories every day and we're able to quickly see what's resonating in that moment. And our animation cycle is two weeks. What we try to do is first just publish the stories that are relevant right now, especially when things like school shootings happen, COVID happens. A lot of times they actually don't want to hear it anymore. Yeah. Sometimes they're just done. Right. Um, and so if we do too much, it will actually turn them off Yeah, because they have a way of compartmentalizing things and they're still just teens, right? They're dealing with all the things that we had to deal with growing up on top of 
mass school shootings, which I think at some point, again, they're kind of putting walls up. Another place that has been really important for us is on YouTube. We have a community page where we can post just random photos or quotes, or we can connect when these things happen. And that's been, and we can also put polls up and that's been a great space for us to just dialogue with them outside of a story Mm -hmm. and just let them know. I think for this generation, they just want to be heard. Mm -hmm. You know, they just, there's so much noise and there's so many adults talking about these issues and especially with gun violence circles, circles, circles. And this generation wants to be heard. And when they're heard, it helps with all of this, even if we're not solving. Sure. We're giving you mentioned, you mentioned YouTube and I, uh, I believe story booth started on YouTube, but but now it can also be found on TikTok and Snapchat and any other platforms. Or yeah, we're things? on Spotify. We have a podcast on Spotify. Oh, wonderful. And we have, as I said, our book coming out, which was so much fun to make, published by HarperCollins. Great team there supporting what we're doing. And that was also fun because we called stories in um, t- for them to write and So that was a different editorial process for us. So every single word in the book is from our audience. Mm -hmm. We didn't write anything except the forward. Um, So that book is coming out um, July 19th. And it's really interesting to see Story Booth on the printed page as opposed to all these media platforms. You know, we hear a lot, particularly over the last year or so, about what adults, many of them um, highly advanced in their age, (laughs) what adults think adolescents should be exposed to, what's going to scar them, what's going to lead them down a a dangerous path. And I'm curious, um, given the, the daily engagement with this demographic that you have, where do you see disconnects taking place and, and how do you, um, how do you hear your adolescent audience almost responding to the sort of the manipulation of adults? They're smarter than us. I think we just need to accept that this generation is faster, smarter, exposed to an enormous amount of information mm-hmm. that it's very hard to control. And so, and they're incredibly resilient and they're incredibly conscious, conscious. And so I think as adults, we have to stop. We have to stop. We have to pause for a second right now with them and truly listen and and truly problem solve based on the issues that we're seeing coming up in this generation in, in different ways. It's not enough to throw the bullying program into your social emotional learning, you know, curriculum at school. Sure. It's not enough to sit here and say, have marches against gun violence. You know, it's time actually for real action. This generation is speaking out, but if we don't figure it out, they're going to. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what, What excites me is that despite all of this heaviness and complexity, these guys are equipped to problem solve because they're kind of on their own. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel about this generation is 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 they're burdened. And I think part of what we wanted to do, if one kid could not feel alone in their struggles, whether it's anxiety or just family issues or 
the fear that's surrounding world issues, then we're doing our job to help them build that resiliency and to build their own character. Um, I think adults need to start approaching this generation a little differently and also realize they are exposed to so much more than we can control Mm -hmm. or manage. So how does that affect them? as individuals and it's changing that generation and the, and the younger, it gets going younger and younger. And what do your analytics tell you about, um, you know, the sort of the profile of, of the, the kids who are both sharing their story and also the kids who are, who are viewing the story, consuming this media. YouTube will say they're 13 and up, but we all know that younger kids are on YouTube because we can see, because we're comparing the demographic charts on YouTube that Google gives us with the story ages of the kids that are submitting their stories. We only publish stories from kids 13 and up, but we see stories coming into us as, as young as eight. Um, so we know that on our channel, we're really programmed to 13 to 21, but there are young kids watching all sorts of content, including story booths on YouTube specifically as low as seven and eight. And they're trending up in what they want to watch. You know, they're understanding the complex mental health stories. They're understanding these these stories um, because the work they're just exposed. So it's really wide, wide age range. But we're really seeing the 13 to 18 is who we intentionally program to skewed towards the female. Obviously, this is this is animation, which is, you know, time consuming. Yeah. And, you know, time equals money. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about the, the how does Story Booth support itself and what keeps the lights on? So it's it's advertising through YouTube, which is a crazy model to be under. It's just insane because YouTube and Google is just an insane world to be in. So it's just monetization through that platform. It's book sales and advances. Um And then through it's through fiscal sponsors who just support our mission. Um, We're currently being asked to be in schools because we know that story booth is is um, being used by teachers to support these social emotional learning issues. So one of our biggest initiatives right now now for revenue is going to be hitting the ed tech market and developing a platform for schools. Mm -hmm. So um, we're really reaching out to brands right now to support that mission so that we can give story booth content to schools um, for free and supported by brands to help kind of solve for some of these challenges that this younger generation is having. So you so mentioned all the- sorts of revenue models going on on story booth. Yeah. It would seem that you would need to. You need to in this world. And I think also, you know, we started on YouTube, but now the platform has established itself where we're, we're really branching out to other mediums um, as well as really wanted to focus on education, because if we can get story booth in the hands of teachers with some curriculum with it, it really can help schools deal with is that they're actually really struggling with and they don't know how to talk about. 
So, Marcy, I wanted to ask you when we're when we're talking about YouTube and TikTok and, and, and Snapchat from the perspective of the animation or or, you know, how the media um, appears, all of those platforms are a little bit different in terms of their presentation. So how do you deal with that as a media maker? Um, and I'm thinking particularly with something like TikTok. Yeah, TikTok is platform that no one has fully figured out yet as a media company. Um, I would say as an influencer or celebrity, it's easy to figure it out. But as a media company producing content and animation, it's really confusing. Um, We've had so what we do with TikTok for YouTube, it's three minutes. That's it. It's a three minute um, straightforward. That formula works for TikTok. We cut up our videos um, part one and part two, and some of them will have millions and millions and millions of views. And some will have 20,000. I'd love to tell you that I know the formula for TikTok, but we have no clue. We're, we're actually playing as we go. Um, I think it's also because, it's just, it's, it, the algorithm is weird. The for you page is different. You just have to play on TikTok as a media company. Mm-hmm. We don't have it figured out fully. We just are trying to at least put it into the bite-sized pieces that we think will resonate with that audience, but we're still figuring it out. And Spotify, I assume is audio only. Audio only. It was the first time we actually had a host. Okay. So um, her name is Jordan Rowling. And it was interesting because we've never wanted to have a voice behind Story Booth because it's always kids first. Yep. But every episode is um, one storyteller, one story, and Jordan intros and outros it with some perspective to it. Okay. So that was um, a really cool format because it, it gives us the space to actually talk about the issues and have some perspective. Jordan's challenge is to always keep it objective, right? Because it's not about her opinion. It's about elevating the storyteller's voice. Um, but it's been really fun to create that podcast because it, it's playing with storytelling in a completely different way. And we don't have the visuals to support it. How frequently, um, how frequently is that podcast uh, publishing new episodes? So it's a daily podcast. So we we're on we're on a break now. We literally produced 80 in three months. So we're we're on a break from that, which was insane producing because we had to create it for Spotify literally within um, two months. Um, Crazy, but um, really fun. And And you mentioned a book coming out in July. Uh, What's the name of the book and, and when will it be available? So the book is available on July 19th in bookstores. It's on pre-order now and it doesn't really have a title. It's not the story booth book. It's like the true, amazing, heartwarming, heartbreaking stories made by you for you. Um, It is really cool because we tried to innovate how we do a graphic novel. So, you know, There are stories that are one line with illustrations. There are typical comic style graphic novel format stories that are five pages long. There are long just text stories. It's a really cool play on how an artist can draw stories. And um, you're going to flip through the pages of that book and every story is different. Um, 
But I would like to say this piece of work is really Gen Z in a time capsule. Mm -hmm. If you really want to pick up a book and understand the hearts and minds of this generation as a parent, um, as an adult, as a teacher, it really, I think just seeing it on the written word on the written page is um, really powerful. And I think if you want to understand what this generation is up against the book, I would say from a story booth perspective is one of our most powerful pieces of work. So I'm really excited about it. It's been great. Well, that's great. And it's, it, it's been great speaking with you, Marcy Kay, the co-founder of Story Booth. So there are so many places to find your content. Um, I'm going to let you run through the list so our listeners can, can uh, go and seek it out. Thanks, Michael. Well, thanks for having me. I love, I love this podcast. I love talking to you. You can find Story Booth on YouTube. Just search Story Booth, youtube.com backslash Story Booth. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok with the Story Booth handle. Our book comes out, pre-order it now. It's, it's in all bookstores online. Um, and just, and also storybooth.com. I can't forget our website um, and our app. So and Spotify. I have to really kind of memorize this. So just search Story Booth and you'll find us. It's a, it's <laughs> a long list. It is a long, very comprehensive list. Well, thank you so much again for your time, Marcy. This has really been a pleasure. Thank you, Michael, so much. Thanks for having me.